I wanted to sing that song first because that's the next event on God's calendar, the rapture, and when we are taken up to meet the Lord in the air and we will finally see Jesus. That's, uh, look, we're looking forward to that. Luke, let's begin um, with uh, putting up this first slide. And um, I want to just mention something to you. The Bible says, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, that's Jesus Christ, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Um, On our uh, first slide... There we go. Okay. Um, I just want to give a quick overview of where we're at in our study of uh, end times. And um, this is a, the seven-year tribulation period is marked by the green arrow, which is the rapture. And then the red arrow is the second coming of Christ to the earth. So when Christ comes first, he comes to the air. The believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord But at the end of the seven-year period, he comes back to destroy his enemies and set up his righteous reign on the earth, and he comes with his saints, the scripture says. The tribulation period is marked by uh, split in half, essentially. It's a seven-year period. It's uh, the first half is a more peaceful time, and and we say that sort of tongue-in-cheek because as we've already looked at some of the... um, uh, judgments, we know that it's uh, very severe and over a quarter of the world's population dies in that period of time. So more or less, if we were to talk about today's numbers, roughly two billion people will die in that, uh, in that period or more. Uh, the middle is marked by an event we've talked about, and that is the abomination of desolation. That is where the Antichrist sets up his image in the uh, temple and and demands worship from all people, um, and though he causes people to receive the mark of the beast, which is either on the forehead or on the back of the hand. His number is spelled out in the scripture as being six six six, and through that uh, placement of these of this mark, you would be allowed to buy or sell or trade or or live, and if you don't have that, uh, you can't. And so the scripture warns believers at that time, these will be tribulation believers, not to take the mark of the beast uh, in their forehead or their hand. Basically, it's better to die than it is to take that uh, that mark. Um, The abomination is the idol that he sets up of himself. And um, the Bible tells us that he is the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Now, we know that this abomination of desolation, um, the abomination in Scripture means an idol, and uh, it makes desolate. And this will mark the beginning of the second half of the tribulation. And typically, those who look at prophecy call the second half of the tribulation 
the Great Tribulation. And so that's really what we're going to focus on uh, today. Now, let's take a look at Matthew 24. So if you have your Bibles, either on your phone or that, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today. So be prepared to move quickly uh, through this with me. Matthew 24, verses 21 and 28 is our section this morning. For then, this is now talking about after the abomination of desolation. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, it will be very apparent when the Son of Man comes uh, um, at the end of the tribulation period. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, I don't know if we're going to have time to look at all of that, um, but if we do, God calls at the end of the tribulation, when the, the nations are gathered together at Armageddon, He calls for the birds of the air to come and to feast on the flesh of kings and, and noblemen and, and the horses and the riders and so on. So let's go back, Matthew 24, 21. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor shall ever be. In 2 Peter 3, 3-7, we read that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. He is referring to the flood, of course. So they say, well, everything's just continued on as it always has been. Nothing has changed, blah, blah, blah. Not true. The earth was once destroyed with a flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. There is coming a judgment where the world will be consumed with fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God destroyed the earth in Noah's day, when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There was rampant sin in Noah's day, and God judged the sin and destroyed the human race apart from Noah and his family. The world is ripe today for judgment due to the rampant wickedness that we see everywhere in our generation. And that judgment will come, and it will come uh, suddenly as a thief in the night. <clears throat> so during the tribulation, there will be a total of 21 judgments, and you can see them on your screen here. 
First of all, there are seven seal judgments, and uh, David, several weeks ago, went over this uh, with us, and he went through, I think, the first five seals. Now, if you notice on the diagram here that when we get to seal six and then to seven, seven actually spreads across all of the trumpet judgments and all of the bowl judgments. So seal judgment number seven includes 14 judgments. All of the trumpet judgments, all of the bowl judgments. When you look at the trumpet judgments, the same thing happens. You get to trumpet judgment number seven, and it includes all of the bowl judgments. And so um, just keep that in mind as you think about the, uh, the tribulation period here. So David went through, I think, the first five um, seal judgments. We're going to start looking this morning at the sixth seal, and that is found in several places, but we're going to start in Matthew 24, 7. It has to do with earthquakes and cosmic disturbances. In Matthew 24, 7, we read, and there will be earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrows. In Luke 21, 11, it says, And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, as we go through the tribulation period and and the uh, judgments that are coming, it's best to compare this to the book of Revelation. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at most of these judgments from the book of Revelation because there's more detail. So, Revelation chapter 6, that's where we're going to start, verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb." For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The sixth seal begins with a phenomenal earthquake. This is a picture of an actual, uh, er, I mean, the the results of an actual earthquake. This is nothing compared to what that earthquake will bring on the earth. Um, And so when we're talking about uh, events that are taking place on earth, Put aside everything that you are familiar with. They're going to be similar, but they are going to be so much greater, so much more devastating than anything we have ever known. And so the sixth seal begins with a phenomenal earthquake. It'll be the strongest earthquake ever in recorded history. But there's more to come even after this earthquake, more earthquakes. The earthquake causes mountains and islands to literally move out of their place. Never in recorded history has an earthquake of this magnitude occurred. The destruction will be 
unprecedented. Some of you remember the earthquake that took place in the Indian Ocean several years ago, many years ago now. And it said that the earth wobbled after that earthquake. And there was a huge tsunami. I think uh, hundreds of thousands of people died from it. Um, but that was nothing compared to what we're talking about here. The sixth seal marks a distinct change in the type of judgment. The first five had to do with man's um, sin against man, his fellow man. It was the lawlessness of man and the hatred of man without restraint. But the sixth seal marks an event that is clearly the finger of God. You remember when Moses stood before Pharaoh and the Egyptians, uh, the, the soothsayers and, and the magicians copied some of the, um, the, the, the judgments that Moses um, performed? And then they got to a point where another judgment came and they couldn't copy it. And they said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. The same thing is going to happen here. When you see that the kings of the earth and mankind run to the hills and ask the mountains to fall on them, it's because they recognize that this is the judgment of God. Do they repent? No. But they recognize what is happening. And even nature itself will turn against man. God's wrath is being poured out upon sinners who refuse to turn to him in repentance, seeking his forgiveness for their sins against him. Now, there will be signs in the heavens as well. Um, both the earth and the heavens will be shaken. The earthquake is accompanied by unprecedented cosmic disturbances. When these objects hit the earth, there will be no doubt the, the, the uh, crust of the earth will tear open. No, no doubt there will be lava flows and eruptions of volcanoes spewing lava, smoke and ash into the atmosphere, and it will plunge the earth into darkness. For all the movement that we have today towards solar energy this judgment makes no sense for the future of, of uh, solar energy. Stars will fall like fig trees, uh, like fruit from fig trees blowing in the wind. The sun becomes blackened, the moon turns red as blood, and the stars, and the, in the scripture the word stars doesn't necessarily mean uh, suns, it could mean asteroids or meteorites or comets or other space bodies. They fall in such abundance upon the earth, it is described as figs falling off a tree in the wind. Then we see the sky receding like a scroll. The sky itself is uh, rolled up, and uh, some suggest that this may be a um, result of gamma ray bursts. I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us, but it's a possibility. Regardless, it's the hand of God. It's a miraculous event. And the entire landmass is moved to a point where it is unrecognizable. What has been described in the past as continental drift, a lot of people say, oh, well, the earth, all the landmass was together and it drifted apart. Well, this time it really is going to happen. Uh, it's happening on a worldwide scale with every mountain and island moved from its mooring. At this point in the judgment, men's hearts begin to fail them for fear. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That means for judgment. 
for us as believers, we will be in the hands of God, protected, um, because he has already come for us and taken us home to be with him. Men's hearts will fail from the fear and expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, we read in Luke. Again, rather than repent, they flee to the mountains and uh, to hide from the wrath of the land, Lamb, and they're actually calling on the mountains and the rocks to fall on them. Just kill us, take us out of our misery. They clearly recognize this is the hand of God. In Revelation 6.17, it asks the pointed question, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And the answer is obvious. No one can stand against him. It is the mercy of God, it is the compassion of God, that we are not consumed. That you are here today and can still avoid the wrath that is to come. If a person places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation today, they avoid all of this. They are taken home to be with him. But if instead you reject him, you will be part of the judgment of God, whether in, the, in this tribulation period or for eternity in the lake of fire. If you will instead of judgment receive his mercy and forgiveness of sins, you will be with him forever. And as we talked about this morning from uh, Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for what he has done for us by dying for our sins on the cross. Now at this point in the tribulation period, there is what seems to be a temporary pause right before the opening of the seventh seal. In Revelation 7, the Lord prepares and seals 144,000 Jewish men to be his witnesses on earth. I remember as a child, a child, a younger boy, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses used to come to our front door and they would say, oh, we're part of the 144,000. I said, really? What, are you Jewish? And they'd say, no, we're not. I said, well, then you can't be part of the 144,000. And they'd say, well, I said, and there were ladies there too, and I said, uh, are you men or are you women? And they said, well, we're women. Well, you can't be part of the 144,000 either. It's 144,000 men. And I'd say, what tribe are you from? And they say, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, it says 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. How could you possibly be part of the 144,000 when God is so specific about who they are? And then it opened up the opportunity for us to talk to them about the Lord. They are sealed by God to be witnesses on the earth to call people to repentance. Why? Because God still, in the tribulation period, desires all men to be saved. And so he sends out these people who are sealed by him to be witnesses of his grace in a time of terrible judgment. The next event... In, uh, that occurs is the abomination of desolation. We've already looked at that, so I'm not going to go into detail there. Um, and it marks the middle of the tribulation period. So then the seventh seal is open, and with its opening judgment, become, uh, judgments become fast and furious. In Revelation 8, 5, and 6, it says, There were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. 
So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And so we have a quick chart. I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking at it. Um, if you want a copy of that, we can get you that later. But it just shows you what each of those seven trumpet judgments are. Let's take a look at them one at a time. The first trumpet judgment uh, is an event where one-third of the earth is burned up. Revelation 8, 7 the first angel sounded, and, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The first trumpet sounds, and hail and fire fall to the earth. One third of all trees are burned, and the grass is completely burned up. Now, I want you to just think about this, just to wrap your mind around it. There are about 60 million square miles of land on the earth. So if one-third of the vegetation on the land surface of the earth is consumed, that is 20 million square miles. To give you some perspective, this would include all of North America, all of South America, and all of Australia, all together all up in smoke. People ask, is the USA in Bible prophecy? I don't see it, but this may be where it fits. If the entire North and South America and Australia are consumed and all of vegetation is, is uh, taken out of the way, nobody could survive that. Who knows if this is the destruction of those continents. Perhaps it will go up in smoke. But that is the size of what we're talking about. If we think that global warming is a problem today, what an environmental disaster this is. God's judgment is coming. And the question for us, if you don't know Christ, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Such devastation would result, obviously, in the loss of vegetation, building materials, food supplies, crops, and the death of human and animal life. The contamination from such an inferno would be devastating to the water and to the ecosystems uh, where this takes place. But those who worship the creature rather than the creator have lost everything. If the creation is their God, they've just lost. God judges the land. Next, the second trumpet judgment uh, is a burning mountain into the sea, and one-third of the sea turns to blood. Revelation 8.8, 8, then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Nearly 71% of the earth's surface is covered with water. 68% of that is salt water. And so in this second trumpet judgment, a great burning mountain is thrown into the sea and about 47 million square miles of ocean turns to blood. A third of the sea life dies. A third of the ships are destroyed. And the burning mountain may be a great meteorite or asteroid ignited by Earth's atmosphere. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it looks like to John a great mountain, fiery mountain, falling into the sea. And God will judge the seas 
and the destruction of the sea creatures will turn a third of the oceans red with blood. One third of the oceans is roughly the size of the entire Pacific Ocean. It's all turned to blood and everything in it is killed. The tsunamis that would occur as a result of this great body falling into the ocean would result in uh, terrible devastation and it, the impact of it will destroy a third of the ships. Today, I looked, up, I looked this up yesterday and it, it indicates to us that that means about 20,000 ships would be destroyed. Merchant ships, cargo ships, cruise lines, tankers, military vessels, not including things like private yachts and sailboats and speedboats and rowboats and so on. And no doubt, every captain and every crew member will go down with a ship. Port cities will be devastated. Overseas shipping will come to a standstill, disrupting trade. We have a problem with trade right now. If you've been following the news, there are ships uh, docked, or not, I mean, they're, they're uh, stuck outside, anchored, thank you. They're stuck outside of ports in LA and in San Francisco and all up the coast um, because of a problem with, with shipping and getting things moved um, on land. And this surpasses anything we have ever seen in our history. And commerce and the supply chain will result, uh, the, the devastation to it will result in economic collapse. The great burning object like a mountain falls into the atmosphere, burns like a torch, falls onto the sea, and like I said, a third of all sea creatures die, a third of the ships are destroyed. It just wipes out everything in its path. You know, scientists today are looking for neos, they call them. Uh, they're searching and scanning the sky nightly to see uh, for objects in the sky called near-Earth uh, objects. They're trying to map the skies to watch the orbit and movement of every single object in the sky that might be on a collision course with the Earth. And they miss plenty. They come and they say, oh, you know what, by the way, there's a, an object, uh, you know, it could be a meteor or it could be, you know, an asteroid or something like that. We didn't even see this one. And it's going to pass right between, you know, the moon and the Earth, you know, within two days. <laughs> this is going to be devastating. There's nothing they can do to stop this. God's judgment is coming. Are you ready? Third trumpet judgment is a star called Wormwood. And the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Now we've already seen the devastation on land. We've already seen the devastation in the oceans. Now we're talking about the freshwater supply. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter or poisonous. The third angel sounds the trumpet. The star falls. A third of all of the fresh water supply on earth is poisoned. Those who drink the water will die. Jesus offers water today, the sweet water of eternal life. And in the day, those on earth will face the bitter water of his judgment. He who drinks of this water, Jesus says, of himself, shall never die. 
The freshwater supply will be poisoned. The wells will become waters of death. The rivers will be toxic waste. The water reservoirs will be holding tanks for deadly and poisonous waters. And without fresh water, there will be widespread death as many drink this toxic liquid. The fourth trumpet judgment is a third of the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. One third of the world's land, a third of the world's oceans, a third of the fresh water supply is destroyed. Now the judgment turns to the heavens. A third of the sun is blocked. What will happen? Temperatures will plummet. The world will have an eerie sense of dread, a feeling of impending doom. And if you just stop and think of each of these judgments, it's mind-boggling. If the temperatures plummet, there'll be massive weather changes, crop failures, changes in wind patterns, storms, ocean surges, snow levels, and rain patterns that will all be affected. A third of the trees were already destroyed in the fire. The carbon dioxide levels uh, have increased, and there's less oxygen being produced because of deforestation. The health issues alone will tax all existing resources. Food will be scarce. Animals and humans will die by the tens of millions of people and animals. Think through the consequences of each judgment. God's judgment is for sin. And the question is, are we ready to meet the Lord? Fifth trumpet. Revelation 9, 1 through 6. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. Notice very carefully the next wording. So he says there's a star that has fallen. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of that pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of that pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death, and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Now, if we had time to study this, we would see the star is a hymn, and it turns out that it is Satan himself, and we see that in Revelation chapter 12. He's finally cast out of heaven. He comes to the earth knowing that his time on earth is short, and he unleashes the most ungodly attack on humans that the world has ever seen. The demons of hell are released, and I really believe that the locusts here are actually um, not insects. Insects would eat grass. They would eat 
any vegetation. They're not eating. They're told not to. They're really focused on uh, physical ailment or spiritual torment or a combination of both of these um, and, uh, and, and their uh, fight against men. Men will become like legion who wandered through the tombs, cutting themselves, crying out, desiring to kill themselves, desiring to die, and Satan will mock them and they will suffer, but they will not be able to die. The description of the demonic force is nothing like the world has ever seen. John tries to describe this for us um, in familiar terms, but no one has ever seen any creature like this before. The demonic king who leads the charge is named Abaddon in Hebrew or Apollyon in Greek. Abaddon is the place of eternal punishment, and Apollyon means I destroy. These demons from hell take on a grotesque body to painfully afflict all unbelievers for five months, yet they're not given permission to kill. God in his mercy does not allow the people of this time to die so that they will repent and they will turn to him and he will forgive their sins. But men refuse to do that. Instead, they blaspheme the Lord, and we see the next judgment will be even more devastating. Sixth trumpet judgment, a third of mankind killed. That means a third of what's left of mankind is killed. The sixth angel sounded in verse 13, And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. So in other words, this is an actual number. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. But these three plagues, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads. And with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Okay, there's a lot in here. Four angels who were previously bound are now released. It is likely that these are four powerful demons that God imprisoned for a very specific time, and he says that in this passage. The release of these demonic beings exposes their pent-up murderous intentions, 
And this is likely why God bound them in the first place, so that they did not continue to... Remember, the scripture talks about that there is a restrainer holding back evil. And God had uh, put them in basically bondage until this specific time. Once they are released, their mission is to kill and to destroy. These are not good angels. These are evil angels, fallen angels. And in so doing, they unwittingly perform the judgment of God. They gather together a vast 200 million horse-riding army, and they slaughter a third of the rest of mankind. The number of deaths during this period of time is likely somewhere between 1 and 2 billion more people. Together, the fourth seal judgment this sixth trumpet judgment, if you take those two judgments together, half of the world's population is killed uh, during uh, those two alone. All the other judgments just add to the number of deaths that have occurred. The description of the 200 million horsemen is given. They ride on creatures that appear to be horses, but the heads of the horses are lions' heads. And three plagues um, proceed from these creatures. The plagues are fire, smoke, and brimstone, which come out of the mouth of the horse lion and are meant to kill and to destroy. In addition to that, they have tails that are like serpents, snakes. And, and, and on this tail, there are multi-headed creatures that are snakes that are also meant to destroy. John describes these creatures, as I said, using familiar terms like lion and serpents. So I can't, I can't be dogmatic about what he's describing here. Is it, a, is it military equipment? Is this some creature that God has allowed to come forth? Um, are they actual demonic creatures who have embodied themselves in some hybrid creation? I'm not sure. He says it's like this, like this, like this. So um, it's the best way he could describe something he had never seen before. They could represent a human army, or they could represent a demonic army, or a combination of both, demons that have, have um, embodied uh, humans. The point is that it is destructive, and it's deadly, and it decimates a third of the remaining world population. The reason for such a slaughter is given. The world is still, even at this point, consumed with worshiping demons and idols, and they will not repent of their murders, sorceries. The word sorceries there is actually drugs. It's where we get our, it's pharmakeia, which is the word, the Greek word from which we get our word pharmacy. And um, so they're murderers, they're drug addicted. They're filled with sexual immorality and thefts. And it is clear that God is pouring out this judgment on people to repent, and they refuse. Just like Pharaoh of Egypt so long ago, they hardened their hearts even more. Two-thirds of the human population at this point remain. That's it. So we're talking maybe a few billion. We don't know. But they're unrepentant. That we do know. God's judgment is coming. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Seventh trumpet. So in the seventh trumpet, what we have is Daniel's dream that we looked at over the last couple of weeks being fulfilled. 
And you remember that he talked about the Gentile kingdoms that would come into being and that the last one would be the revived Roman Empire and then a stone would be, would be carved out of a mountain and it would destroy all of the earthly uh, Gentile kingdoms. That's what we have here in the seventh uh, trumpet judgment. And then we have uh, in Revelation 11, the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God. Now, just like labor pains that come upon a woman before she gives birth increase in intensity and increase in frequency, so true is, so, so it is that these uh, judgments come the same way. What may have taken about three and a half years for six of the seal judgments to occur probably took just months for the seven trumpet judgments to occur and perhaps only weeks or days or maybe even just hours for the seven bowl judgments to occur. So the, the rapidity, the speed with which this is taking place uh, is, is picking up and picking up. The seventh trumpet judgment includes, as I said, all seven bowl judgments and the golden bowls are described as being full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And they are filled with seven plagues. So we have a, um, again, another uh, um, slide. We can get you a copy of this if you like. It just, again, breaks down the seven bowls of wrath. Let's take a look at them one at a time here. The first bowl judgment is found in Revelation 16, verse 2. And I'm not going to show a picture of festering sores. I mean, I looked at plenty of them, and they're, they're gross to me. And just recognize this is what is going to happen. So the first went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. It's interesting that they who received the mark, it, it sounds to me like the mark, whatever they've used to put the mark on them, is now actually festering and causing these sores and boils. And they're described as loathsome and malignant sores. They will be festering, oozing ulcers, causing pain and endless torment. They are incurable. But this judgment affects only those who have the mark of the beast on their hand or forehead and who have worshipped his image. The plague does not affect those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The prophet Zechariah writes about a plague that may refer to this very plague. He says, Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in the sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. The second bold judgment has to do with God's judgment on the oceans again. So, um, Luke, are we up to slide 23 now? And here all of the oceans turned to blood. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. That's it. The seas are decimated. The second judgment turns the oceans to blood. The trumpet judgment that we looked at earlier 
caused a third of the oceans to turn to blood. This judgment takes the other two-thirds and all of the oceans are destroyed and are filled with blood. It affects all the oceans. It plainly states every living creature in the sea died. There's nothing left. This is the day the oceans die and the stench of the rotting carcasses will fill the coastal air and the winds will carry it across the land. The third bowl judgment, all fresh water is turned to blood. Then the third angel poured out his, this is a verse four, then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The third bowl is poured out upon the earth. All of the rest of the fresh water on earth is contaminated by blood. It turns to blood. The trumpet judgment, only a third. This judgment, all of it. All of the fresh water turns to blood. And you may ask, well, why would the Lord do such a thing to his earth? It's time for him to judge the world in righteousness. He judges the world for what? For the murders of his prophets, the murders of his preachers, the murders of his teachers, the murders of missionaries and saints through the ages. And certainly it must include the murder of his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Their blood has cried out to God for vengeance and the Lord has now responded and is pouring out his vengeance upon them. Is it blood you want? Then it is blood you will drink. And there's nothing else to swallow. And it's poetic justice for the countless murders the world has committed. The third trumpet judgment already destroyed a third of the fresh water, as I said. This finishes the job. There is no water to give relief for the oozing malignant boils. There is no water for washing, for showers, for cleaning, for bathing, for cooking, for irrigation. There is no fresh water to drink. And while the world is cursing God, the martyrs from the altar worship and say, yes, O Lord God, the almighty, true, and righteous are your judgments. They had asked earlier, how long would it be before their blood was avenged? And the people of the earth, the Bible says, will be drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Now this is their day, the day of God's wrath upon their murders. God is a God of justice. God is a God who answers prayer. His wrath is poured out in exact measure to the crime committed. He is a God who is a God of truth and righteousness. The fourth bold judgment um, is to do with the sun. It says, verse 8, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. So the bowl is poured out upon the sun. It is no longer 
dark, but it is now ablaze with full intensity. Luke, we got a picture there. Um, And the men are scorched by it. And all of God's creation is turning against men as if to say, wake up, repent, be saved. And men blaspheme God instead. The fifth bold judgment, darkness upon the earth. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. It's, it's, it's Pharaoh all over again, but on a worldwide wide scale. And they have darkness and pain. The kingdom of the Antichrist is next in line here for judgment. In the scripture, darkness often refers or represents evil. The Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Well, God says, okay, what you want, I'll give to you. Live in darkness. And now they live in darkness and the Antichrist kingdom is in darkness and evil. And the whole world is plunged into darkness. Satan, the beast, the Antichrist are helpless before Almighty God. The prophets Joel and Zechariah described these days as a day of darkness and gloom. And Jesus said in those days, and the excruciating pain from these plagues, um, that um, they will be in darkness. The sixth bull judgment is the Euphrates River that dries up. And the kings of the east gathered to do battle at Armageddon. Many people are familiar with the, the word Armageddon. So this is actually a picture of Armageddon. Uh, you can see that it is a very flat plain. It is a, uh, some, some have said it's an ideal location for a military battle. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. You say, oh, isn't that convenient? God is opening a way for the kings to come. But remember what God did for Moses. The sea parted. The Jews crossed on dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, God caused the waters to come over them and they were all destroyed. And they were drowned. And they they sang a song at the other side, the horse and rider he has cast into the sea. And they, they were consumed. God is doing the same thing here. He's opening a way for the armies to conveniently come together in the valley of Megiddo to have this uh, great battle in the last days. And ultimately, they're fighting with each other. But when Jesus Christ comes during the middle of this battle scene, they will join forces to fight against him. And he will destroy them. I saw three unclean spirits, verse 13, uh, coming like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame, and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. The Bible speaks of the great slaughter that will take place on the plains of Megiddo. The blood of the slain 
will rise to the level of a horse's bridle and will flow for about 200 miles. That's the slaughter that will take place in this place. The nations will come to the slaughter as they wage war against the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 17, verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. And an angel of the Lord appears, and He calls for the birds of the air to come and to come to the supper of God. Come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And the Lord Jesus Christ will capture the beast and the false prophet and cast them alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. In Revelation 19, we read that. Finally, the seventh bowl judgment includes thunder, lightning, and the most powerful earthquake that has ever occurred on the planet, and it includes a 100-pound hailstorm. The seventh angel, verse 17, poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then, so great is this earthquake, every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Now we have a picture of a very large actual hailstone that fell, which weighs nowhere close to 200 pounds, or 100 pounds, I should say. But imagine that at 100 pounds falling and the devastation that it would cause. Men... Turned to the Lord and were saved? No. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And that is the end of the 21 judgments that God has recorded for us in the book of Revelation. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming soon. And we have to ask ourselves, how, should, how then should we live? As believers, we should live every single day expecting the Lord to come today. I hope He does. And the question is, are we living in such a way that we will be found faithful, expecting Him to come? We are also called, as we wait, to encourage one another. For Jesus is going to rapture us home prior to the tribulation. We will rise up to meet Him in the clouds along with other believers in the church age, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says in that passage, therefore comfort one another with these words. Third, we all have friends. We all have relatives, classmates, workmates, 
who still don't know the Lord. We who know these things are coming should be the ones warning those who don't know the Lord about what is to come. How their sins can be forgiven today. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. God is acting in grace. He could have destroyed us all as soon as sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden. But today he is acting in grace, allowing men, waiting actually for people to come to him and trust him as Savior. Today is the day of salvation. People can have their sins forgiven now and avoid the wrath to come. And so the question for us today is, are you ready to meet the Lord? Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Are you ready to see him face to face and look upon him who saved you by his grace? That day is almost here. We're going to forego the closing hymn. We've gone past our time. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Lord, as we view these things, we've gone so fast through them, but, but it is very troubling to my heart as I studied this again this week to think of the unsaved who rebelliously uh, and defiantly turn their hearts away from you. Lord, when all you want for them is their best, you love them, you died on the cross, Lord Jesus, to save them from their sin and to give them a place for all eternity of joy and peace and in your presence. And yet men refuse to bow the knee. Lord, we pray that even this week, some that we are in contact with, whether it's friends, relatives, classmates, workmates, people we know, neighbors, that we might have an opportunity to, sh to share the gospel with them. Lord, that they might avoid the wrath to come and trust you as their Lord and their Savior. Help us, to, Lord, to live in light of your soon coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.